Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius, because there will be a world without us. Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers and no Ryans give you, <laughs> answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, did you yeah. know that early on in the history of Jeopardy, uh, one of the little clue, like things, the puzzle, it was the movie, A Streetcar Named Desire. And that was the first Noel. What? It was the first Noel. Noel, a streetcar named Desire. It doesn't have an L. It was the first puzzle that didn't have an L. The first Noel of Je- of all of Wheel of Fortune. Did I say Jeopardy? Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> so for that joke to work, you would have to say Wheel of Fortune instead of Jeopardy, which you so you I really I don't know. It was if very I confusing for me. <laughs> and then. Secondly, I would have to instantaneously know by a listening experience, not a visual experience, (laughs) that A Streetcar Named Desire is a name of a play that doesn't have an L in it. Yeah. That was a play. So I... That was a joke. I have... Let's just move on to my topic. I have something I'd like to discuss with you, Hank. So I'm going to be riding the high of that experience all day. That one was, it was so bad. Long-time oh, listeners of the podcast know that when Hank and I were children, we were huge fans of a roast beef restaurant called Rax. Uh-huh. R-A-X. Yeah. And there are now five Raxes left in America. But Hank, I have some interesting and somewhat exciting news oh, in gosh. the field of Rax. So... For whatever reason, because I guess we are public-facing racks enthusiasts, uh-huh. I have sort of been hooked into a group of people who uh-huh. I like to call the, ra- the Raxerati. Oh These are gosh. hardcore Rax fans who define themselves, like a lot of very small communities, it's also really intense. <laughs> and I received word uh-huh. over the weekend that while it is still not confirmed, on November 22nd, a new corporation filed for its existence, 
Like when you're a baby, you're born. But when you're a corporation, yeah. you file. Uh-huh. And it is called Rack's New Carlisle. Oh, I do. I, 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 okay. I cannot imagine implies, that this is a good idea. Which implies uh-huh. to Rack's enthusiasts yep. that there is a new Rack's opening up soon, hopefully, in the suburbs of Dayton, Ohio, which is only two hours from my house in Indianapolis. And this dramatically increases the chances of me actually committing to the bit. So, so this is, a, so New Carlisle is a town. Yeah. And it is outside of Dayton and it's yes. two hours from your house. Yes. Can you wait I, until I get back? I think I have to. Also, it's not that much of an inconvenience to not drive to New Carlisle, Ohio. <laughs> your, your part of the country is absolutely wild. The, leaving between Indianapolis and Dayton, Ohio, there are two large roads, 40 and 70, and they just run parallel to each other the whole way. Yeah. They, they just, they, like, which one do you want? Whichever. They're not, um, they're yeah. like, they're like 30 feet apart. Yeah. It's like, which one's better for you? You <laughs> can, just, you can it's, pick. It's just how you feel today. There's yeah. not going to be a lot of traffic on either of them. I mean, Meanwhile, like, where Hank lives in Montana. 12, there are 12 fields between these two, these two very, very busy roads. Yeah. I mean, they go to different places. They not go to, to Dayton. <laughs> Well, I mean, after Dayton, though, they go to different places. It is true that there is arguably too many lanes of interstate going through Dayton. But after that, they go to very different places. Okay. Well, you guys are well connected. Yeah. I mean, we're the, Indianapolis is the crossroads of America, Hank. Okay. It, I mean, you look at a picture of it, it does look like that. It looks like the crossroads of America. I guess Dayton is the crossroads of America now. What is Dayton? I, the What is Indianapolis? What is... What is Dayton to Indianapolis? Is it like, is is mm. Dayton like Indianapolis's Miami? No, <laughs> no, like, <laughs> no. I would say that Dayton is a little bit, and I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody from Dayton, but I would say that Dayton is a little bit like Indianapolis's. Uh, Fort Myers. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I get that. You get it? Uh-huh. Yeah. A little, it's got a little, it's got a little Fort Myers energy, but without the beaches. John, I'm, I've, as you might've expected, I'm scrolling around Google maps right now and in between Cincinnati and Dayton, which are really close to each other, right, right in the middle is a little town called Middletown. <laughs> they knew what was going on. It's like that place right between Orlando and Tampa called Orlampa. Is there a place called Orlampa? You made that up. It's real. You made that up. Every every place that's in between Orlando and Tampa is Orlampa. You have you know you made that up. God, you tricked me for a second. Now I'm googling it, and you're gonna laugh at me when there is no <gasps> there is an Orl. Oh, welcome to Orlampa, the tourist attraction that doesn't exist. Hank, <laughs> you tricked me, and then they tricked you. And then they tricked me. Ugh. Can you call the, the new Carlisle Racks people and talk about the cookie situation? Because this is all I want. Is all that you cookie. want is that like undercooked Ugh. chocolate chip cookie. I can still taste it. 
Yeah, no, it was a good cookie. I want the little plastic alligator that the kids' drinks came in. Yeah, like I just looked it up. Instead of coming in a cup, because they came we were in an alligator-shaped plastic mold. You can get it for twenty five fifty on eBay. I mean... Vintage 1984. Alligator Ralph Sippy Cup lid plastic. Imagine, like, explaining to your childhood self, one day there will be all yeah. these computers that are connected to each other, and people will be able to do almost anything through this network of computers, and what they'll choose to do is buy and sell childhood racks alligator cups. Like, if I got one of these, which I will not, I would yeah. definitely drink out of it. Oh, yeah, no, they're awesome. They actually, like, they were kind of like the ones that um, that you got at the zoo. Remember how you yeah. would always get, like, Well, no, the, like, molded, the, the molded wax thing, you mean? Yeah. That came out of the machine? You didn't drink out of those, though. They just, like, smell no, like no, hot wax? No, 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 Like, no, that's where you got your kids' drinks from, was, oh, like, okay. from molded, molded drinks. Zoo drink. Oh, I forgot that there were characters other than the yeah. alligator. The alligator was Uncle yeah. Al Alligator. Uncle, Uncle Al, yeah. That's what I searched for. I remembered that. By the way, I know you love a dad joke. Do you want to know the name of the holding company that owns all the Raxes? Oh, God, hit me. It's from Rax to Riches. Ah, uh, I knew that. I actually knew that. Well, am I one of these Rax people, John? You might be a member of the Raxerati, Hank, without even noticing it. The three main characters in the Rax lore are Uncle Al Alligator, Hooter the Owl, and the Fearless Frog, who is inexplicably orange. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, they did not make a Mr. Delicious that you can suck right out of his head. Yeah. Uh, suck, suck fruit juice out of his head. That would that would have been great. Um, it occurs for to those me as of we're you who remember, this, Hank, <laughs> does anyone that we are definitely really deep in the Raxerati. Like yeah. we are no, like no wonder people are letting us know about this. We are, we are, we, are we have to come without noticing it. The president and vice president of the Rax well, fan I wouldn't, club. I wouldn't say that, but John, when I was making that video about Rax's uh, doomed advertising campaign, Mr. Delicious, yeah. I oh, reached God. out to one of the guys who was in yeah. the Mr. Delicious documentary. And I was yeah. like, hey, I'd like to interview you about Mr. Delicious. And he replied and he was like, that would be amazing. I love that campaign so much. I'm so proud of it. And I thought it was amazing and so good. And I ghosted him. Because you were like, I was just like, that's... I can't have this conversation if you think Mr. Delicious is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I Mr. ghosted him. And then I waited a year to make the video. That's how awkward I felt about it. Oh, so you didn't hurt the guy's feelings. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, and the truth is, I was going to say the truth is maybe it was a good ad campaign, but I, I it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was really <laughs> offensive on a lot of levels. <laughs> it was super problematic. It was, big, it was a big miss. Yeah. It's a big miss. And it really, it also killed the whole childhood racks lore in trying to become like fast food for grownups. Like what about us 11 year olds? Their big thing. Just trying to have a racks roast beef sandwich. It was like the guys who owned racks hated fast food restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that, that is what it's <laughs> they like kept going and being like, I hate this experience. How do we make it better? Yeah. I know no children. Yeah. It's funny. You should mention that because while researching the, uh, hot dog eating contest for the Anthropocene Reviewed book. I read two yeah. different histories of Nathan's famous hot dog stand. Mm -hmm. And that was also a big issue with Nathan's famous that like the children of yeah. the original owner were like, we don't want to just sell hot dogs. We want to sell like really good 
high class, mm. fine dining kind of food. We want to be respected. Wow. And that was, of course, a huge tactical mistake because the people I've, who yeah. like Nathan's famous hot dogs like hot dogs. Yeah. I've seen that mistake made but, a lot of different times, John. A ve- very similar oh, mistake I mean, to that. People make it. People make it all the time in our world. Yeah, all the time. Where they want to be, I, you know, want to be on, on television. It turns out it's way worse, but it's more respected. Well, right? Yeah, exactly. It turns out they have less control. They enjoy their days less, yeah. and they make less money. But it's a space that sort of like gets a certain amount of respect, yeah. and where the yeah, and they, awards they, they, have yeah. a lot of cachet. And well, all and that, that was stuff. the same thing when TV stars always wanted to be movie stars. They were like, "I'm not real. Yeah. I'm not a real like." This is all just yeah. a the deep insecurity that we need to work through, and understand yeah. that everybody's having everybody has these these doubts about themselves, and you yeah. should just make. So, like long meat yeah. and people will love you for it be the best racks you can be, be. don't try to become the olive garden <laughs> oh god they really did wow okay you want to do a question because this has been not no, great I, I think we should just do this <laughs> i think we should just do this for the rest of our lives all right well i, I can't wait to go to iraq's with you whether in finland or not it was finland it's a state secret This first question comes from Katie and Ariana, because that can happen now. Dear Hank and John, they ask, my friend's older brother just made her his beneficiary, which obviously led to the discussion of not if we should have his body bronze, but in what position he should be left to stand in for the rest of time. My question is, what would you like to be posed to doing if you were bronzed after death? I mean, we have to die anyway. Katie and Ariana. Oh, boy. Well, I want to be absolutely clear that I do not want to be in a carbonite situation nah. like Han Solo on any level. I don't want to be frozen in Actually, bronze, and I especially don't want to be frozen in bronze with a chance of later being reanimated. Well, um, yeah. Well, here's what I want. No. Here's oh, what God. I want. You're going to upload your consciousness. I just know no! it. Oh, I mean- Oh. If it was an option, I would love to just. Oh God! Be, I'd love to just be one of the pieces in Tetris, uh, forever. <laughs> That's me on the L one that goes to the to the right. Uh, and every time one of those comes up, that's me. Uh, but it has your soul. It has my it soul has in it. But then thoughts. it's is only while it's moving. But then when it's secured, then I don't exist anymore. And then when it comes back. As soon as it's in the little window and it's like, coming up next, that's me again. I'm back. I'm alive once more. And then you twirl me around and I'm like, I have experience again. And then it, then I hit the ground and it's just like, don't exist. Um, and then, ooh, sensations just over and over again. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real joy for me. I'm looking forward to it. That's that is, not what that I was. my idea of actual hell. <laughs> So <laughs> is that how it works anyway? No, here's what I want cuz we I've been thinking about this situation with the yeah. with what are they called the mausoleums? Yeah. And look, You're, I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not going to have a mausoleum, but I'm going to pretend like I will. And mm-hmm. I don't want my body to be in the carbonite, but I want people to think that my body's oh. in the carbonite. I love that. Where it's yes. just like there's like a b- inside they look through the window and it's just like me with like my hands sticking out and my face like ah. <laughs> but it was just made like 3 years before I died. I love that. Okay. I think that's the right answer. <laughs> not not, not being the L Tetris piece. Which Tetris yeah. piece would you be for eternity, John? 
Well, I mean, the eyepiece is the obvious one because then you get to make Tetrises. Oh, that is fun. But more, more if flashing. I'm going to be realistic yeah. about who I am, I yeah. would be the square. <laughs> I'd be that little O piece that's yeah, just like a little bit spin. of an inconvenience. They turn you around and around, but nothing even happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they keep it in the I button. don't actually... Yeah, because of my vestibular system, I don't actually like rotation that much. Mm, so it suits go me just fine just up to be and down. The, the square. Yeah. Da- yeah. Down or down faster. Those are your two options. I I think it's interesting that you say you're not going to have a mausoleum as if you're going to make the decision. I, like, you think my that, intention... That, oh, you getting the mausoleum for me? ...is to get you a mausoleum whether you want one or not and and carbonite you. Great. I think that would be great. Now, I, I think it's unlikely that I'll outlive you. But rest assured that should I happen to, <laughs> I I will be building you like a Taj Mahal pyramid level monument. All right. Um, I'm going to pour all of our collected resources, <laughs> all the... <laughs> John, I wanted to Orange College Fund everything into this to... amazing mausoleum. Great, great. Uh, can it be a, a, a underground cave system? Because oh, that that's a great idea. That is a, such a cool idea. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be a mausoleum in the cave. Right, right. And all it's all going to be like very Disney looking. Like it'll just be like spray foam insulation <laughs> over dirt. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of so, some really important breaking news, oh. which is that Hank Green has signed his will. I did do that. I, for a second, I was like, did I do it? Years. I forgot. And uh, and I uh, my, my voice caught and I was like, did I not do it? But I did. I did do it. Oh, it's a big relief. Actually, somebody emailed me a few days ago and said, has Hank signed his will? Yeah. Because I think about it all the time. Yeah, and it was he wild. Has. It just sat. It sat there for a long, long time. Where the the guy and and we just seen him and we were like, "Hey, can we can we do this?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's all ready." Uh, we like like these p- parts, and I was like, "They look fine." I'm gonna be honest with you, buddy. I think that it's better that I have a will uh, than than I have it perfect. Because because <laughs> I'm not planning on That's dying. Uh, yeah, and you can fix it later. Yeah, you yeah. can fix it later. But it's good to that. it's good to have something in place. Yeah, he kept saying we could fix it later, and he also was like, "Now we're gonna put a copy of this in the vault." Oh, good. The fireproof vault. And it was Great. like, "Do you want to take it home, or do you want us to store it in our fireproof vault, or in your fireproof vault at home?" And I was like, <laughs> "I think you should put it in your fireproof vault because my fireproof <laughs> vault is made out of wood, <laughs> and it's called it's a bookshelf." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have a front on we, it. Well, it's interesting you say that because we have most of our important documents, and maybe I shouldn't say this on a podcast, but we have most of our important documents like pressed into a book, but oh, only we know what book? the book is. Well, you know? the fire knows where all the books are, John. Exactly. Yeah, no, none <laughs> of this is fireproof, but it it is a pretty good strategy because if you're like in our house, you might think like, oh, I bet they put some important documents in a book, but you won't think of which one. And there are a ton of them, yeah, like an, like an actual ton. Mm-hmm. So there's very little chance of success. Yeah. All right, Hank, let's move on to another question. This okay. one is from Megan, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm new to the podcast, so I'm listening to the catalog in reverse. Megan, it's a fascinating listen when you start in 2016. Um <laughs> There's a lot that Hank and I didn't see coming. <laughs> you might want to ignore a couple of the things we say. 
I'm currently on episode 259. That's incredible. Congratulations. Uh, and it came out in September of 2020. And Hank is discussing how he feels 2021 will go, <sighs> considering the nature and state of the pandemic. He is very worried about 2021. That being said, how did 2021 go for you compared to your expectations? And do you feel any more hopeful or confident going into 2022? That's a great question. Always worried about next year. Megan, I thought this was a great question, Hank, because this is our last podcast of 2021. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't like have that be part of the whole thing. Probably should have ended with that banger with Ryan Reynolds. But no, it's this one. It's this one. So... How do you feel going into 2022, Hank? And how was 2021 compared to your expectations? Well, I can't remember my expectations at all. That's one of the great things about being a human is that we forget how we felt about things once we experience them. And then we we retroactively apply how we felt about it to how we thought we would feel about it. Yeah. Um, So I don't remember. Uh, 2021 had its its advantages. Um, I like vaccines. That's great. Mm-hmm. Was that this year? Yeah. Feels like it was this year. That was this year. You and I got vaccinated this year. Wow. Gosh. And boosted. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's good. I am a pretty optimistic guy. Yeah. I think that things are going to be okay next year. Um, but but I don't have a ton of confidence that we're going to get to a really solid, stable place like we had for uh, for a, 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 a few decades after I was born um, in the in the next ten years or so. I think it's going to be a bit messy. I think we've got a bit of a messy time ahead of us. Honestly, yeah, I I feel a lot of apprehension about the next few years. Um, yeah. In general. Mm-hmm. So it's a little hard to piece that all together. What I will say about 2021 in retrospect versus 2020, you, you said that we change our projections to fit our experiences. And that's true to some extent, but that's definitely not the way I felt about 2020. Like when I think back to <laughs> December 2019 and how I thought that year was going to go yeah. and how I looking back at it at the end of December 2020, like it did not go how I thought it was going to go. And I was acutely aware of that. And in that sense, this has been a return to normalcy because I thought 2021 would be challenging and it, and it has been. Um, I, I am very worried about the next few months. Um, and then I'm very worried about like the overall arc of the next decade. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things about COVID has been um, that, that a lot of my worry has been around the disease itself and and the, the the effect that it has on individuals, um, yeah. And what I think that we don't think enough about is the the effect, or, or what I didn't expect is that uh, to the the effect that a you know a long lasting pandemic would have on society. And I feel like that that's the thing that is giving me a lot of apprehension. I I I am you know, very discouraged by the lack of, of folks to have gotten through this together, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and to, I, and to continue to prioritize the people who need to be prioritized. And, um, right. and I, you know, I, I feel so much empathy for people in healthcare right now who are, um, on, you know, on the edge of having done this for years almost, and now are looking toward another really rough time. And that, yeah, um, some is something that I keep in my mind a lot. Yeah, I think that 
it's going to be very hard to consider the effects of COVID from where we are because we're too much in the middle of it. Like Stan always says that when you're living in the middle of history, you can't know what it means. And I try to remember that because my impulse is to think that I know what it means. Yeah. And to think that I have a straightforward narrative that is the full narrative, but we aren't going to understand, you know, we just don't have that perspective right now to really understand what, what it means and what it means for us as a society moving forward. What, what are the lessons that we're going to learn and which ones are we not going to learn? And the thing that I'm most worried about is the long-term impacts. I mean, I'm worried about the impacts, obviously, that it has on individuals on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. You know, all the people who are struggling with COVID or losing family members to it or losing their lives to it. It's, of course, the biggest concern, but there are long-lasting societal implications for this that I don't understand and that I don't have any perspective to understand yet. And I don't know what that's going to be. Yeah. I know that my daughter doesn't know, doesn't meaningfully remember what it's like to go to school and see her teacher's mouth move. Yeah. And I don't know when Alice is going to be in a learning environment where she does. Mm -hmm. And I think that will have a big impact on her. Yeah. Yeah. And And I I think it's, I think it's impacted learning for, millions and millions of kids. Yeah, and I think it's impacted uh, our sort of like collective ability to rely on each other and to trust each other and feel comfortable with each other and that has huge yeah. impacts on mental health. It, but we also know that humans are super resilient um and that we find ways to deal with different structures and different ways of societies working. Um and like we are dealing with we're dealing with a lot of that right now. We're in a, a huge transition with regards to how people communicate with each other, which is always a really tumultuous time before we figure out how to like do it properly, which takes decades, a minimum, to figure out how to deal with uh, revolutions in communication like the internet, but also the internet plus uh, sort of a reaction to the pandemic. So it's a very, uh, we are cursed to live in interesting times. um, And and, and, do you ever think about when we were kids and we would think like, oh, I wish I lived in an interesting historical moment? Now I very, yes. But before, I will say before, before I was living in a more interesting historical moment, um, I did realize, I think, that I didn't actually want that. (laughs) I remember people talking about golden ages. And then like Mm. one day, like in college, I was like, oh, this is one. This is like we, we this will be sort of looked back like it's obviously not perfect, like as were none of the golden ages. Um, but like this is a very comfortable time for me anyway. And boy, um, are, I, do, do I think that sometimes we don't notice? Yeah. So that's how we're feeling, Megan. We're feeling great. But you know what? Going into 2020, I remember like lifting my champagne glass to my friends and being like, here's to the best year ever. And I was wrong. And there you go. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong again. Maybe, maybe hot boy summer is coming at last. <laughs> I'll tell you what. We are good. At, if, if at anything, 
Hank and John specifically, but humans in general, are good at being wrong about the future. John, God, so wrong. <laughs> this next question comes from Maggie, who asks, Dear Hank and John, the logo for Complexly, which is our educational media company, looks like a maze. Yeah. It has an entrance, but no exits. Is this on purpose, or is the designer trying to confuse and trap us? Trapped in the sea, Maggie. I gotta say, Maggie, I just liked how it looked. I, you're, I, you're thinking too deep. I don't, I, now I'm concerned. Didn't you make it? No. Oh, it looks to me like a Hank Green design. Maybe. Well, it's the one I I it's the I approved it. So yeah, yeah. It is funny though that there's no way out of the maze. Well, you just go back out. You go in. This is this is. Oh yeah. You go in and you look around and you find some stuff mm-hmm. and then you leave. That's yeah. That, that's education. Uh, right. <laughs> you go you go out the same way you came in, naked. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> alone and scared. <laughs> Thanks for coming to our educational media company. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh god. Oh boy, it's real dark around here. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh jeez. Oh, I wasn't. I wasn't ready for this. Um, <laughs> it's so. It's. It is an interesting time, John. Oh uh, yeah. Um. I uh, let's be clear though it could be so much worse. Oh yeah, and it could be much more. That's a big. Oh yes, no. The uh, all of the worst worst ways that it could be would be more interesting ways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I would like things to be really boring. That's yeah. that's my ambition for 2022. Yeah, is the most boring year on record. I mean, I will say lots of interesting, powerful stuff. Like like good interesting things have also happened. Like the the difference between the efficacy of mRNA vaccines and all the other vaccines. I said this to oh, Catherine that is the, incredible. the other day. We were uh, pulling into the house, and I was just sort of like waxing poetic about vaccines. And I said, the, "What people don't understand is that like the the difference between an mRNA vaccine and like the the normal like live attenuated vaccines that we you know still use." Um, like it's like the difference between a computer chip and like a fence. <laughs> like it's just like the <laughs> the, the they, these old ways of doing thing of of making vaccines were so like labor intensive, time consuming, really like subjective, and just messing around and hoping, like a lot of hoping. And now right. these mRNA vaccines can be applied to a lot of different situations. And the more that we yeah. know about them, the easier it will be to do that. And pandemics are going to be so much, specifically viral pandemics are going to be so much easier to deal with in the future. Um, yeah. And and, and we w- will be able to hopefully respond to them quickly if we build up the kind of capacity and resiliency in the healthcare system that we, we need to have. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a ton of faith in, also in if science we can... right now, but I, I am, I'm frustrated at, um, you know, our lack of ability to communicate with each other to feel good about each other to connect and and not sort of villainize each other constantly yeah and also i think we've seen a lot of the places where um you know private enterprise doesn't do uh, it yeah doesn't work and that's been a real frustration for people living in low resource settings with healthcare systems for a long time. Yeah. You know, like we frankly could have had 
effective vaccines for a lot of illnesses that cause a lot of suffering and death if Mm -hmm. the incentives had been the same over the last 20 years and we could have saved millions of lives. But the second best time to do that is today. Yeah. And we can save millions of lives over the next 20 years if we put our resources in the right places. And so that's another takeaway for me. But on an individual level, it just uh, sucks. It sucks. And a lot of people are dying and a lot of people are losing family members and a lot of people are in incredibly stressful situations because of COVID and it sucks. Mm -hmm. Hank, we got another question from Melanie who writes, Dear John and Hank, I'm sitting at my gate right now at the airport. I'm 24 years old and it's my first flight alone. Do you have any suggestions for someone flying alone for the first time? Not Melody, Melanie. So this person has flown before. But never alone. Never alone. I, don't you feel like it's better to fly alone? Um, well, because you're never really alone is the problem. You will have a neighbor. I would much rather sit next to Catherine than uh, a strange person. So there's two parts of this experience, right, Hank? There's the flight and there's the part in the airport before right, the right, flight right, right. leaves. Yeah. What do you like to do in the airport? What's your like main go-to airport activity? Because mine is answering emails. <laughs> oh, no. No. I like to take full advantage of the space that I'm in. Almost every airport has some kind of art gallery or history diorama or yeah. something they all have chapels and the chapels are weird and really cool and so i like to visit the chapel it's almost always empty mm-hmm. it's also a quiet room where you can hang out where the door closes which is nice i love to go everywhere in an airport i love the like convenience stores how how are there still so many magazines that's one of my main feelings <laughs> when airports. i'm in, a, in an airport yeah. i'm like this is great look at all these i mm-hmm. man these come out every month. I think Incredible. Melanie, I think a huge thing is a good playlist. So I love, mm. or I like your mm. favorite album. I love to mm. cruise through an airport, like being on the moving walkways and just listening to some, yes. some like 1960s punk rock or some like weird yes. 80s synth wave. And you're just like, ah, nobody knows how cool my music tastes are look at all these people with their briefcases nobody's rocking out like i am um yeah of course they all are in their own ways and then uh i like to have a podcast or audiobook that i know two things about it's not going to make me cry and it's not going to have a big old surprise sex scene because i am made very uncomfortable by sitting next to a person and listening to a description of two characters uh, enjoying each other's uh, physicality in that way. Um, So I like to know enough about the piece of media that I'm going to be listening to that I know, because I have listened to podcasts that have made me weep sitting next to a businessman from Dayton before, and it's a little much. I think that's better, actually, than the kind of podcasts where you burst out laughing out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're like you're like in the gym and everybody's just doing in the gym stuff. They're all right. listening to their synth wave, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, 
which which is what Dear Hank and John is for. We're a podcast that's not that funny and it's not going to make you cry. So th- it's perfect for airplanes. Also, also, there's a 0% chance of kissing scenes. Like, you never have to worry that's about that. The, there's no romance not here. not going to make you uncomfortable. It's a world without Zero romance. romance. Here on Dear Hank and John. That's my, and I think that, I think that having your ears occupied, unless you are into the the potential of having a stranger conversation, which I sometimes am, but if. Maybe that would be good at this point, Hank. Like I haven't been on a plane in a long, long time, but maybe I want to have, like, maybe that's something that post-pandemic me is going to be like, I like having conversations with strangers. I just need to talk. I mean, I was at the thrift store the other day and I started to talk to the lady at the front uh, as she was checking my, and I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, I just like told her about my whole day. Yeah. I'm that guy. Yeah. Reel it in, buddy. Yeah. So maybe talk to a stranger, but also maybe just listen to a podcast or see how it goes. Have a podcast ready and you'll get through the flight. No problem. I, I miss, I don't miss airplane flights. I do really miss airports. I love airports. There's such there's there's such sights of joy and connection because you see people reuniting, you see people saying goodbye. It's just it's incredible. You see all of the human drama in an airport. And yeah, I, I also I love airports I, because it's uh, it's all these people who work to make something very complicated happen. Yeah. Um, almost always on time. And I see all the little carts driving around and the people doing the things and everybody's got to be at the place at the right time and then it all works. Now, it sometimes doesn't all work. But it works fairly well in the scheme of things. Yeah. And then if, but if you're appreciating it when it does work, then when it doesn't work, you're like, well, yeah, I did notice that there are about 30 vehicles involved in the getting of this plane ready to go. Yeah. So I can see how maybe sometimes it wouldn't work perfectly, which reminds me, John, that this uh, podcast is brought to you by um, a la carte, the company that makes the the little cars that drive around and refill up all of the, the snacks on the, the airplanes. I think that's what that company is called. One of our childhood friends' uh, dads worked for that company when we were kids, remember? <laughs> no, Doug? no, I don't. Doug. I, Doug did? Yeah. I knew he worked at like uh, at like uh, air, airport stuff. Yeah. I didn't know that that's what he did. He was, yeah. uh, he, he recently died. And I have to say, I, this is the wrong vibe for the podcast, I know, but he was the funniest person I have ever met oh. who, who was never mean. Yeah, he that's, had an that's incredible sense of insight. humor that did not yeah. in any way rely upon cruelty. Yeah. He was so funny. That's a big win. That's a big win. Yeah. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Hank's Death Cave. <laughs> <laughs> it's real hard to know how to make that transition. And I, I guess I just kind of went for it and it did not work. Um, yeah, that Hank's, was great. Hank's death cave. Hopefully, we've transitioned away from sincerity well enough to talk about Hank's death cave. <laughs> this podcast is also brought to you by the very, very, very important book that is located somewhere in John's house. No one knows where it is except fire. <laughs> oh God! And of course, uh, today's podcast is brought to you by the L Tetris piece. It's Hank's consciousness is going to be uploaded inside of a Tetris piece, and it will be the yeah. L. Just w- once I'm gone, just think about me every time. Every time that L-shaped one comes down, I think you not that might backwards last, L though. That's not me. I think you might last longer than Tetris. 
absolutely not. I think you got a chance. I That's like saying I'm going to last longer than chess. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I don't know if you've been following what's happening in the world of classic Tetris, Hank, but um, basically some people have gotten so good at Tetris that it's almost broken now. Uh, they can just go forever? Yeah. So like the highest score in the world for a long, long time was 1.4 million. And it took like 30 years to get to 1.4 million. It took like five years to get from 1.1 million to 1.4 million. And then this guy, Cheese, invented a new <laughs> way to hold the controller that allows you to move the pieces much, much, much faster to the left and to the right. Oh, yeah. And then he got a score that was 2.6 million. So like he almost doubled Whoa. the best score ever by basically playing forever. All right. He plays so beautifully. Like, honestly, when I was watching that game, I thought I would like to make a Vlogbrothers video that is just a 25-minute breakdown of how incredibly beautiful this game of Tetris <laughs> is. <laughs> oh, God, It's so what? beautiful. I teared up a couple times where I was like, how can somebody take such a simple game and make it so beautiful? Anyway, yeah, well, well, may, may, this is the thing. Games need 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 innovation sometimes. So yeah. I think that Tetris will make it. It will just be finding new ways to be itself. That's lovely, Hank. I love that. This episode of Dear Hank Jones brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy, good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly shipped to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Trobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt. I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one -one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. Before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I do need to read you one critically important response. Okay. From Jonathan, who writes, Dear Brothers Green, I am a PhD student at Purdue University currently studying chickadee ecology in Indiana. And I realized wow. I may be able to provide some insight into your chickadee debate on a recent episode of the oh podcast. God. You'll recall that I saw a chickadee and Hank said it wasn't a chickadee. And I said it definitely is. And uh, here comes well, it Jonathan. Was it? Was it? Here comes Jonathan, the expert. 
to let us, who's getting a PhD in literally chickadee ecology. Indiana has two species of chickadees, the black-capped chickadee and the Carolina chickadee. Black-capped chickadees are in the most northern part of the state, so all the chickadees in the Indianapolis area are Carolina chickadees. Meanwhile, Montana has four species of chickadee, the black-capped chickadee, the boreal chickadee, the chestnut-backed chickadee, and the mountain chickadee. Carolina chickadees often formed mixed-species flocks with nuthatches and tufted titmice in the winter, so it is very common to see them together. I've attached a file that illustrates the various chickadee species and and compares it to a nuthatch. Regardless, they do look similar, so it would be understandable to mix them up. By the way, while the chickadees in Indiana are likely similar in size to the ones in Montana, John was right about the ones in Indiana being special. My research has been analyzing the song culture and song types of our (laughs) local chickadees, and so far their songs are more diverse than for chickadees anywhere else in the country, as we have found over 100 song types. Best, Jonathan B. Jenkins, person who proved John right. Uh, did that happen? Or or was I looking at a tufted titmouse and you were looking at a different chickadee somewhere oh, and we were both right? I guess right. that's possible. We're or both right because they were, fa- they were forming a mixed species flock. They were in that mixed flock, which is cool. I, did, I didn't know about mixed species flocks. Also, I think I may have seen a TikTok from this guy recently because I <laughs> did recently see a TikTok that was like, here are though different ways to understand the vocalizations of chickadees. Wow. And they have over a hundred different uh wow. calls. Wow. And the and the linguistics of chickadees is very complicated. And is that the guy? Was it the same guy? Could have been. Or maybe, I mean, I bet they know each other if not. In that case, the For You page really does know you. Or alternately, you sure do watch a lot of TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I get Hank, all the ones about about birds. Well, Hank, it's time for the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. I'll go first, and I'll be brief. Wimbledon's games have been canceled. Oh, uh, we were supposed that does happen. to play over the weekend, but there are a lot of there were a lot of COVID cases in Portsmouth, mm. the team that we were yeah. supposed to play, and also some of our mm. players have COVID. Some of almost every team currently playing in England has COVID. So right now there are no games. Uh, I don't know when that will change. There was one game over the weekend and I was watching it and thinking, I wonder if I'll see more football Mm -hmm. this year or, or when I will see more football. And I don't know. So that's, that's the news. Let's move on. I'm sorry about that. Um, well, in Mars news, uh, if if all uh, we're going to cut here because at the moment I'm too scared to talk about anything with regards to space. Oh, the James Webb Space Telescope is really stressing me out. I, I, I just need it to work <laughs> so strong. badly. That's what it does. I need it to work. I need it to stress people out. I need it yeah, to be. Right. I need it to go well. This is how I felt about Perseverance and Perseverance has gone amazingly well. Um, so we've got that. Well, Hank, I hope that was a good update. Thanks for potting with me. <laughs> Thank you for podcasting with me, John. You can send us your questions at hankandjohn at gmail.com. This podcast doesn't exist without them. So thank you to everybody who sent some in. Uh, thank you to Alec for inspiring this the, the really terrible dad joke at the beginning of this. I butchered it, but I like it a lot. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna Medish. It's produced by Rosiana Hals Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Julia Bloom. Our editorial assistant is Debo. Chakravarti. The music you're hearing now is by the great Gunnarola, and as they say in our hometown, don't forget, forget to be, be awesome. awesome.